Hey there, everybody. Uh, welcome to the latest episode of the Ball and Chain podcast. I am your host, Mark Thomas, <clears throat> coming to you from Southern California, West Hollywood, very sunny and uh, warm uh, Southern California. And uh, it, excited to have everyone on or listening today. And it's a, it's a really kind of momentous occasion uh, for myself personally and also for the company Zen Sports, who is the sponsor of the podcast. Uh, since we did our last podcast a couple weeks ago, Zen Sports has since obtained our Nevada gaming license, which is super duper exciting. And uh, we are going to be uh, launching in Nevada very, very shortly. So uh, look for that. Uh, look for Zen Sports to be coming to your favorite uh, casino in Nevada very soon. Uh, very uh, big milestone for us, and we couldn't be more thrilled about that. So uh, definitely, definitely very, uh, very happy about that. And uh, it's been a busy last uh, few weeks. Uh, so yeah, with that out of the way, um, uh, on the sports side of things, I'm also happy about uh, my brew crew is uh, doing well, just took three out of four from the Giants. And uh, football season is right around the corner. We are literally a week away from opening night and 10 days away from the rest of the NFL, uh, besides the Cowboys and Buccaneers playing. Um, and it uh, looks like the Packers are going to be playing the Saints in Jacksonville uh, on the 12th, which is cool. Uh, but yeah, super excited for the NFL season. So uh, yeah, with all those uh, good items uh, out of the way to start things off with here, uh, I'm excited to... Uh, welcome our guest for today, uh, who's Robert Kraft, not the Robert Kraft uh, from uh, the Patriots, but a Robert Kraft, uh, who's the founder of Atlas World Sports, and uh, excited to have him on the podcast today. Welcome to the pod, Robert. Thank you. It's great to be here, Mark. I appreciate the uh, the opportunity to talk. Yeah, so I got, I got to actually start with that. Do, do people ever think you're the Robert Kraft, the owner of the Patriots? <laughs> well, I'll tell you... Um, being in uh, you know Chicago and Milwaukee, uh, it, there are some interesting questions. But certainly, anytime I travel to Boston, I get treated really well. Um, but uh, unfortunately, I can't take credit for being uh, that Robert Kraft of the Patriots. However, uh, I've had a bunch of my John Carroll football teammates though that have been part of the organization. Uh, Josh McDaniels, who's doing great work with uh, Mac Jones over there as the new quarterback and the offensive coordinator. Um, and we've David Ziegler, who is a punt returner, kick returner specialist with me. He's now stepped in for Nick Casario, who took over the role as general manager of the Texans. So, you know, we have a lot of fun with it. But uh, no, unfortunately, I'm not that Robert Kraft, though. I, I, would, I would travel much differently if I was. Yeah, yeah. Well, especially if you make like dinner reservations or something in, in the Boston area, they probably look at that and go, whoa. Uh, and, then, and then you might show up and they go, oh. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Time. <laughs> uh, this isn't uh, the right guy. Then I, that's when I get the, uh, you know, back by the uh, kitchen door or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Just for the sheer disappointment of it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> just for the light town. So cool. Well, well, why don't we also kind of dive into that with regards to your geography? So uh, it looks like you're also originally from Wisconsin. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, our, our, my parents were born and raised in uh, Flint, Michigan. And then I was born in Detroit, but just lived there a couple of years, got to Chicago, but moved to Milwaukee when I was middle of grade school. So finished uh, grade school and then went to uh, Marquette University High School right in Milwaukee. Uh, so finished all my schooling. So we, we committed to uh, Wisconsin hard and heavy. And that was, uh, you know, late 80s at that point. Uh, the Packers were uh, nothing to speak of. It was pre-Brett Favre. Uh, the Brewers, you know, were okay. They had, you know, they, they kind of had a good run. They had the Paul Molitor and 
Robin Yount and Jim Gantner crew going on there. And the Bucks were just kind of your classic, um, you know, get that first round of the playoffs and get knocked out. So we just said, we'll get in on everything and including the Badgers. And uh, now we're having a heck of a lot of fun because it was great to be a part of it, um, you know, for the Bucks championship for sure. Yeah. So um, I'll, uh, if you have listened to the podcast, no problem if you haven't, I actually went to game six. Uh, so it was a very special moment for me. <laughs> um, it was uh, really awesome. So did you do anything special for it? Did you go to any playoff games? Uh, what was your Bucks title run experience like? Yeah, it was. I, I got to go to some, uh, I got to go to Bucks Nets. So that was okay. great because uh, that whole battle with Kevin Durant and, um, you know, Giannis and kind of, it was kind of, it, it seemed like that, that series to me was the one that I felt like, God, if they could get over the top of this and they get past the nets, I think they can do this thing. I think they can make the run. And it was almost like that mental strain, but uh, to, to be able to go to game six, the way you did, I would have loved to have been there. My girlfriend, uh, Marnie and I went to, to meet a bunch of her friends, just this next street over on uh, old world third, uh, good friends own, um, you know, brat house and, and, uh, who's on third um, right over there. So we were right in the scene. And I mean, the lines to get into these places, I mean, you remember what it was like. It, it felt like being at a, a massive festival. Um, certainly in the Milwaukee area, there's Summerfest that goes on, um, you know, but any kind of huge, you know, festival or, I mean, it was just like, it was crazy. I've never seen anything like it before for, for the NBA, but it's almost like it was going to a Packers game and just seeing tailgating everywhere and people everywhere. Um, it, I mean, it was just such a great thing for the city of Milwaukee and, and the state of Wisconsin, too. It really, I think people forget how close we are to Chicago. I mean, we're like sister cities and less than 90 miles apart. And I think when you get these people, and I know you're in Los Angeles and former Wisconsin guy, I know, um, you know, you probably... Uh, <laughs> probably have to tell people a lot of times where Milwaukee is on the map or where Wisconsin is, <laughs> you know? So uh, anyway, it was great. I, I loved it, but I'm jealous that you got to be at game six, certainly. And uh, I know you've got great stories from it for sure. And what, a, what, a, what an experience. Yeah. I won't bore our listeners with the whole story again, but just to recap, I uh, definitely was not going to go back until the finals. That's kind of my rule of thumb. Yeah. And that's why I have, I've never been to a Brewers playoff game because of that. Uh, and so I said, I'm not going back until the finals uh, to get there. And like you, uh, you know, when they, when they, I, I would really actually say when they won game six against the Nets at home, I really felt like they had, um, well, not for sure a guaranteed chance, but I, I felt that they had at least a 40% chance to win game seven. Um, and I thought maybe, you know, Durant might start to get a little worn out. Um, you know, obviously Harden was not the same. Uh, Kyrie wasn't playing. So, and then they won that game seven and I'm like, okay, no way are we losing to the Hawks. And then I still felt that way even after we mm -hmm. lost the first game. And then, um, and then Giannis's knee, uh, in game four. And I'm yeah. just like, oh no, I'm like, I think we can still win this series, but there's no way we're winning the title now at this point. Um, and if anything, it's just gonna be a big letdown, like to, uh, win the series against the Hawks and then, you know, go to the finals and lose. But the fact that he came back for game one against the Suns at that point, I'm like, okay, we can win the series. And I still even felt that way after they lost the first two, um, just because they were so good at home and so dominant at home in the playoffs. Um, and, uh, and so I kind of strategically said it, I said, I'm only going to go to game six because there's no way we're going to sweep the Suns. And if they get swept, I don't want to go to that either. So, uh, you know, I'm going to time it to be in Milwaukee for game six and seven. And, uh, you know, obviously if they lose game five, okay, well, at least 
know, it'll still be a game six. And then I bought, so I bought the tickets after game four. And then when they won game five, the tickets more than doubled in price. So thank goodness I bought it after game four, not game five. And then I'm like, holy shit, I'm going to the freaking game where they could win the whole <laughs> title. So it was pretty, it was pretty insane. Um, and uh, just a very special moment. I agree with you. Like just the whole atmosphere and whole scene uh, in Milwaukee during game six was, I mean, incredible. Uh, I mean, the, the deer district was absurd. Um, the bars, yeah, up and down old world third street, both before and after the game, we actually went to Broadhouse after the game, uh, to continue the celebration and just, you know, and the other thing I, I'm just really impressed by was there was no crazy shenanigans afterwards. I guess there was no, a little, no, we don't burn cars. And no, I know. Like so Detroit I was, or... I was, I was in San Francisco. So I lived in San Francisco for 19 years before moving to LA, uh, in November. And I was there for three world series and three, uh, warriors titles, um, oh, not a fan yeah. of either team, uh, but I was obviously in the city there when it happened. And yeah. they did all the, all those things, burned cars, broken, you know, store shop windows, all that kind of stuff. And there's like nothing but just great revelry and people partying and have a great time. And I'm just like, I, I was just really special. And, and it was summertime. So, you know, you weren't freezing cold where it's usually that's what it's like, you know, when the Packers have won a couple Super Bowls. So it was just it was just really I mean, it's just a moment I'll never forget. And I'm so glad I went to it. So Yeah, I mean, that's awesome. And I agree with you 100 percent. I mean, it's one of those things you, you're so proud to be a Bucks fan at that point. We finally got over the hump, but you're even more proud to be, you know, a Wisconsinite, uh, mm -hmm. you know, Milwaukee and just the way the people celebrate. And I've never understood why, why would you burn your neighbor's cars down for partying because you're celebrating or do whatever, you know, or loot or whatever. I never understand that, but the way Milwaukee showed and the fans of Wisconsin and Bucks fans from all over, and, and they certainly picked up worldwide fans, you know, just by having the great run that they did. And I mean, Giannis couldn't be a better ambassador oh, yeah, for our team for um, our state and for the league. And we are so lucky to have them. Yep. And um, you know, just the way everybody showed out, like you said, I agree, Mark, it's just, it was so, so great. It's one of those things where you kind of, you know, put your chest out, you know, a little further because I'll tell you after Giannis had that injury, I went through almost like a little depression, you know, for a mm -hmm. day or two. Cause I was just like, ah, oh, I thought this was the year. And there's no way it's done. And I had to kind of, you know, emotionally just kind of get myself out of thinking we could win the championship. And then he made his miraculous recovery. Like, I don't know if he's Gumby and he's made out of like clay or something and can come right back or what. But I don't know how, I don't know how in, you know, human, uh, you know, anatomy that, that <laughs> he can bounce back the way he did, but. Wow. I know. Awesome. I, just, so. I, I I still can't believe that either. Unbelievable. And then are you also a Brewers and a Packers fan or just absolutely. Fan? And in fact, I went to the Packers Steelers uh, Super Bowl. Wow. Uh, in Dallas. And, you know, that was that huge snowstorm in 2011 and the ice storm. So uh, my brother and I went, my brother has great friends that, uh, you know, work with the NFL out in New York city that he went to college with out in the East coast. And so we got unbelievable tickets. We were, at the 40 yard line, 35 rows up. And we oh just God. said, we got to do this. I know we're going to spend way more than we want to, but this is a brother moment. And yep. uh, so Sean and I flew out and we flew into Austin instead because the ice screwed up everybody's flights. So we said, let's go to Austin for a night. We have cousins down there. We had a great time on Friday, drove up, rented a car with some other friends, drove up on Saturday and did the whole NFL experience. And then of course on Sunday, I mean, it was just the greatest thing. And 
to, to be able to do that with him. So we're, we're, we're now hoping, of course, the Brewers, now that they're playing unbelievable ball. And like you said, they took three of four. They lost that one today to the Giants. But uh, we'll take it out on the Cardinals when they, they get back on the road. Um, and, and let me say this. You never regret spending the money in those kind of experiences. Like, I'm, absolutely I'm so glad not. I did. It was the greatest because that's that's a, the, the, the pictures and the memories that he and I have. And we tell the stories. And everybody said, God, I thought we were going to be in four Super Bowls after that with Aaron Rodgers and the team and all that and nothing happened. So yep. we look back and we say, you know, thank God we did that because that was an opportunity, just, you know, something special that he and I will never forget. Yeah, completely. Now I have to, I have to say, so I actually, uh, funnily enough, funny enough, I became a Brewers fan in 87, Bucks fan in 88, Packers fan yep. in 92. Uh, and I, I have to say, I think, there might be literally some people's heads that explode in Wisconsin if the Brewers win a title three months after the Bucks win a title. <laughs> I know, I know. Mine included, I mean, maybe. <laughs> I mean, I how crazy awesome. would that be if that happened? <laughs> It'd be so great. I went to the game last week, and uh, I mean, it was just so much fun being there, and and just to think like we could actually do this, like this could happen, like we could go Bucks, Brewers, and then now that. You know, it seems like the family and the Packers made up. You know, they kind of did their, hey, look, we may disagree, but let's go right. figure out the stuff and keep our family stuff inside. So Aaron Rodgers and Brian Gutekunst, our, our GM, and, and um, you know, the rest of the guys on, you know, up and down. And it seems like everybody's kind of falling in line, and you know, maybe they could make a run too. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, that would that would be the most – ironic of ironic things if all three of them want a title we're getting obviously ahead of ourselves but i mean that is that would just be uh i don't man i can't even think if uh i don't know i mean they probably would technically treat it as next year since it's in february but it's really this year's season yeah but i just uh you know i mean that would be that would be pretty insane to have three teams all win a title in the same year. I, I mean a lot of places have had two two teams win a title in the same year yeah, um but right. this that would be that would be absurd. in fact actually just just tampa Last year alone, Tampa's been on fire. Yeah, well, they had the Buccaneers and the Lightning win, right? Um, you know, last year, and they almost had they almost had the Rays. And they almost uh, had the Rays. Yeah. yeah, I know, I know. They don't have a basketball team, I guess. Yeah, so that'd be like our grand slam if we could, you know, yeah. pull off the Brewers and the Packers. And yeah, I got to be honest, I haven't even wanted to talk about it. So, so it's great to, to geek out with that with you, another Wisconsin fan, and and uh, good Wisconsinite, but uh, because I. Just haven't wanted to jinx it, so I'm kind of like, all right. Okay, we'll we'll keep it in the down low. We'll move on. We'll move on to other stuff now. Just, <laughs> we'll table that for a little while. We'll have we'll curb our enthusiasm, yeah. but but let's just say we're speaking for everybody when we're think when we say we're thinking about it. <laughs> it's perfect. I love it. I'm with you, Mark. I'm with you. <laughs> cool. Okay, so let's get into uh, this new company that you founded uh, earlier this year uh, called Atlas World Sports. Um, so it looks like a, a a really awesome kind of data platform, but would love to understand, you know, yeah. more about it in your own words, um, why you founded it, what it does, what your plans are, all that good stuff. Yeah, well, and first of all, before I even start, congratulations for you accepted into the Nevada sports betting community. Officially. So That's hard. awesome. And uh, we will be working together down the road for sure, because, you know, our whole goal really with Atlas is just to be agnostic to all sports books and just drive traffic. So think of like Expedia or Kayak when you're booking a flight or a hotel 
you're going to put in your filters and all, and, and you know, any other, you know, time you want to fly or airlines or whatever else. We're going to do that same thing for for you and for all the users. Is you know that just giving them that kind of almost search engine that is hyper customized to them and to sports uh, as well as sports betting. So it's not just for sports betters only. We're creating an app or we created an app. In fact, today we just launched, we put our 1.0 in the Apple store and it was approved. And so it's actually on there. Everybody can download it. Um, but our 2.0 will really be where we integrate all the sports books. So in about, call it the end of October, roughly, uh, we'll be, um, you know, so we're, we're six to eight weeks out from when that will be um, in there. And then that will be when we're integrating all the sports books. So you'll be able to look up tomorrow's, you know, Brewers Cardinals game. And we'll show you if you're in say Illinois, you know, we're headquartered in Chicago because uh, Illinois legalized sports betting um, before Wisconsin. So we have an office in Wisconsin in Milwaukee, but our, our headquarters is right downtown in Chicago. And quite frankly, the venture capital community, as you know, being in the world that you're in, um, the venture capital community in, in Chicago is fantastic. You know, one of the best in the country and just, you know, the reach into the sports betting and, 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 you know, all the other resources are one of our data providers is there, but, um, mm-hmm. but so really we look at it from the standpoint, first and foremost, we're just going to be a good sports app, like your ESPN, like your CBS, Fox, whatever. We'll show you all the scores, stats, data on teams and leagues. And then from there, the second thing, we'll show you the sports books and then give you all the lines and, like if you're in, for example, Illinois, they have six online sports books right now. So you look at the, the Brewers and Cardinals game tomorrow, we would show you that line that DraftKings has, that Fan, FanDuel has, that, um, you know, Bet Rivers and, 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 you know, Caesars and everybody in between. And then you might see that, you know, one or two sports books are giving you a little bit better advantage. Uh, so you're going to choose that. And that's where you place your bet if you were looking to bet that night. Um, you know, and then from there, then our 3.0 will come out in the first quarter of uh, 22. And that's where we're integrating machine learning algorithms. And we're going to help um, uh, sports bettors uh, make the best decision as to what game to bet on or what bet to choose in a particular game, such as playing every game 10,000 times like Monte Carlo style and saying, for example, that, hey, the Brewers have a 65% chance of covering against the Cardinals. So, you know, you'll want to put your bet here. Um, and then, and then in our 4.0, we're going to get into personalized video and, and, you know, predictive alerts and all those types of things. That'll come out the second quarter of uh, 22. So we've really got this all mapped out to kind of step people through. So right now, if people download it, it's almost like it's just a sports app. It'll just give them scores and player stats and data and all that. And then in a, you know, basically two months, a little less than two months from now, they'll be able to integrate with all the sports books where and choose their state. They could say I'm in Nevada. They could say I'm wherever. And then all we're doing is driving that traffic to those websites. So we don't have to authenticate, you know, if you really are in Illinois or not, if you're sitting there in LA, you know, in your office and you say, I'm in Illinois, well, you can say that, but then when we kick you over to DraftKings, DraftKings will then authenticate your position by global, you know, GPS um, and, and or FanDuel would do it or whomever. So really what we are, we're just a search engine. We're, we're a platform for data. And we just want to give people the most efficient data in a clean manner, the cleanest manner possible, quite frankly, make it easy and quick for them. 
Sure. And so how do you plan on monetizing? Is it going to be through affiliate marketing or some other types of channels like that? Yes, exactly. Um, so first of all would be affiliate marketing. And obviously they, these sports books, as you know, they you know, want partners like us behind the scenes driving traffic to them and, and helping, you know, create activity as well as educating people along the way. You know, we want people to um, enjoy the sports betting process. We don't want people to get caught up the wrong way. So we want to educate them. We want to help them. And we want to make them feel comfortable. Look, if a $10 bet is what you're comfortable with, then that's great. Let's help you make the best $10 bet possible and enjoy your experience tonight, you know, with whatever game you bet on. Um, so the first would be that affiliate revenue that comes back as we're driving traffic to all them, just like an Expedia or Kayak or Priceline gets. The second would be subscription models. So we're going to have, instead of like a bronze, silver, gold type of levels, we're going to go um, rookie, veteran, and Hall of Famer. And each level, they're going to get different access to, you know, different data. And, and we already have a partnership that we will be announcing here down the road with a company that they also authenticate the professional sports bettors or the sharps, if you will, the ones that sell their data out there or their picks for the weekend. So based on getting access with us to different levels, we'll also give you those professional sports bettors, those pickers, the handicappers, so that any user then of ours that say is in the Hall of Fame category with us, they're going to get access to you know, uh, you know, all those people that are out there selling their, their, you know, picks for the weekend. Um, and, and, you know, the, the, the levels will be very easy from a subscription standpoint. We're talking like $5, $10 or $20 a month, depending on the, the, you know, level anybody's at. So it's just real comfortable for people to get in, but it's going to give them incredible amounts of data and information to help make the best decision. And then the third would be, uh, also, other types of, you know, in-game or in-app purchases, perhaps with uh, other companies. We have a partnership already with American Express. We have some other big Fortune 500 um, marketing companies we're talking to. And, you know, once we get those, those will help a lot uh, as far as uh, driving awareness, but also giving opportunities for um, great deals for, for our users along the way, too. So obviously Oddshark has been around for a while. Um, I mean, do you look at them as a competitor? If so, how do you really say, hey, this is how we're different? Or if you don't look at them as a competitor, you know, um, why are, you know, what what are you doing that's very different from them? Yeah, I, I think like Oddshark is, is a good one there. Um, you know, they've been around for a while, but from our understanding and all our research, um, they're also showing offshore books, if I'm not mistaken. And right. They do. We're sticking to strictly the legal onshore books, period. Okay. We are going to be completely within the guidelines of the American Gaming Association. Um, and, and, you know, we work with them as, you know, they're, they're obviously one of the, you know, foremost, um, you know, uh, authorities and lobby firms uh, out of D.C. that are, you know, that really set the guidelines for everything. So we're going to be very you know, very disciplined with how we are. And Odd Shark will show you maybe books in Costa Rica and other mm -hmm. whatever. Uh, we're not getting into that. We're strictly sticking to the guys that the books in the United States, at least, that are, you know, approved and they have their state licenses. 
And as long as they have their state licenses, then we'll publish their information and help drive traffic their way. Because right. you know, that was really the point of the Supreme Court, you know, overturning PASPA in 2018 was really to say, look, let's drive it to the good players. Let's make sure we can regulate this. Let's tax it. And so we want to work really tightly within those guidelines that they're telling us to work within. And so that's where somebody like an odd shark, and I'm not saying they're doing anything wrong or anything else, that's that's okay because it's up to their consumers, however they choose. I don't know where people are making their bets from, but as far as from us, we want to make sure we're doing it right within all, you know, the the, uh, the field of play, the rules as they laid out. Yeah, no, absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. And so, you know, I mean, let's kind of talk, let's talk about that for a little bit here, um, the U.S. landscape that is, you know, and how it's got started a few years ago with the overturning of PASPA, you know, kind of where it's out right now. Um, you know, what I, let, let's start with this, you know, January, 2021 is looks like when you launched, um, or at least when you, you know, uh, thought of the idea. Yeah. What was, what was the impetus for deciding that now is the time for what you want to work on and, and, and how that fits into the, you know, the growing U S landscape of sports betting. Right. Great question. Um, so being in direct marketing and an entrepreneur, my kind of whole, essentially my whole career, um, you know, just knowing multi-channel marketing and understanding data and being in that whole world of understanding data is the real gold. Um, the value is understanding the consumer, whether it's for brands or it's for other purposes, but the better you can predict, um, you know, human behaviors as far as perhaps what people want to buy or want to get information on, um, the more valuable a company is. And that's what everybody's always trying to work towards if they're really going to be honest as far as what their business is about. I mean, United Airlines, they want to make sure, look, they they hope they know the patterns of people's travel next year, and they do it based on what happened yesterday, and they predict it based on migration patterns. But if they could know even better, to only fly that plane from Los Angeles to say Albuquerque three times a day rather than four times a day, because one of those will, you know, not be as profitable. They would love to know that. And, and, and it's companies like ours, you know, that that data is, is really good with really kind of honing down to understanding the consumer. And that was something that I've been in, you know, 20 years in my career is just really understanding from a direct marketing standpoint, um, you know, whether it's business to business or it's business to consumer, it really doesn't matter because you're either trying to predict what a business's decision will be or individual consumers' decisions will be. And it's really pattern-based. And that's why the machine learning for figuring out how to make decisions as far as who's going to win certain games down the road, you know, you can do it within a certain um, uh, variability, if you will. Um, so when I saw the you know, being an entrepreneur and I saw in 2018 that, you know, that, that PASPA ruling, you know, it was just one of those light bulb moments. You know, I saw marketing sports and business, and I kind of saw the ultimate Venn diagram. And I just said, geez, this is where it goes because I don't want to be in the game of being a sports book or anything else because I respect all those guys and I'd be way out of my depth. But what I do know is marketing. What I do know is how to build a business, how to put teams together. And I said, geez, you know, if we could do something where we're just driving traffic to these sports books, I think they'd like us a lot. 
and we're going to do it in a completely agnostic way. So we're not going to weight it strictly towards <clears throat> one sports book or another. We're going to really weight it based on what that individual consumer is asking for. So that was a light bulb moment. And then, of course, it took a couple of years to kind of formulate and start writing the, the business plan. And then it was by the beginning of, uh, you know, 21 here that I was able to then, you know, kind of formulate the company officially and, and get things moving. Um, and we've just we've had a, we have a team of 12 on our development team. We've been, just been cranking around the clock and they're, mm-hmm. they're awesome. And I put them up against anybody. And uh, our co-founders are fantastic. We've had eight exits uh, within our team over $1.1 billion worth. Um, you know, so we're, we're also not a group of guys, you know, that, that are just sitting, uh, you know, graduating from college and doing it in the, the basement or whatever, and pretending to, you know, start a business. We've all had our experience and, in business and ups and downs and been dusted and won a lot and, and everything else. And, and so when you get that kind of team together um, and there's nothing wrong with, you know, 22 year old starting a company in their parents' basement, by the way, but, you know, at, in, you know, in our early forties, mid forties for some of the guys to be able to put this team together, you know, everybody's got a Rolodex. Everybody's been through acquisitions, mergers, um, hired and fired many, many people and seen a little bit of everything in business. And, and that was really what excited me too, is putting together the right team um, because it's ultimately it's about people at the end of the day. It starts with the people of your team. And then that can translate to understanding your users, your consumers ultimately, and delivering the best product to the marketplace. And, and that was really kind of the, the precipice of saying, look, let's get the best team together because we know this idea is real. Let's see if we can get the right team together. And if we can do that, we know we can build it. And, you know, if you look at the Elon Musk or any of the guys that, that are incredible entrepreneurs of this world, they're never afraid of whether or not they can build something. He's not afraid of if he can get us to Mars. It's just a matter of, you know, how long is it going to take and how much is it going to cost? And that's kind of part of the magic of business is if you can accelerate the time frame to build something because you perhaps have better knowledge or a better network or whatever it might be, better team. And same thing with raising capital to get it there. You figure out maybe how to do it at a, a more efficient cost, but also the ability to you know raise money because you know you're you're more trusted and, and you're 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 in a better spot in the marketplace. You know, all those things kind of work together. And so you know, once we kind of put our heads together and, and uh, you know, I showed them the plan and everybody liked it and we just kind of kept working in and working in and working in and working it. And then now to, to be here on the day that literally Apple just approved our app in their, in their store today, we'd be talking to you about it. And the website went live yesterday and Android approved it. And, you know, it's, it's just great to be here because it, the timing couldn't be better because it's, you know, now it starts to feel like it's real because until then it looked like a plot of land. Well, now we've got a, a skyscraper on it and we're going to keep adding to it. And that's that's the real exciting thing because all the people that are part of it, whether they're investors or they're co-founders or their future, you know, employees or interns or, or, or vendors or just being part of this with you, everybody plays a huge role in this for Atlas World Sports. And that's what's so exciting for us because it really is about connecting people 
and then driving winning results at the end of the day for, for everybody that's a part of it. Nice. That's awesome. So uh, I know just on the data side for what you aggregate on your website, there's no licensing required for that because that's just dissemination of information. But what's interesting is that some states in the U.S., and this is something I'm sure our audience doesn't know, is that they do require affiliate marketers to get licensed. And what that basically means is, is that, you know, if you decide to provide affiliate marketing or, you know, referrals over to other sports books, you have to be a licensed affiliate marketer. Uh, I don't have in front of me what the count of the number of states that requires that are or which ones actually I have to double check. But, um, you know, what are, what are your plans as far as that goes? Are you, are you going to uh, just uh, go into the states first that don't have that requirement and go later into the ones that do? Are you just going to try and go into all of them at once? Because it's about 27 states now that have legalized sports betting. What is kind of your growth and expansion plans based on what you may or may not need a license for? Yeah, great question. It's a little bit of all the above. And the reason I say that is because it's very interesting. Like you said, some states require the affiliate licenses, others don't. And some of them don't know if they're going to go down that road and some might backtrack. So it's, you know, it's just such a new industry, basically, even though it was highly mature, you know, kind of illegally, if you want to call it, or, or, you know, you know, back alley or whatever. Um, you know, $150 billion a year that was the handle, um, was the estimated handle uh, in the United States. Um, you know, and now they're trying to figure out all this stuff and it's all state-based. Um, so the reason I say it's all the above, because one of our partnerships that we've created, in fact, a couple partnerships um, are, you know, companies that we are able to work with them on their affiliate license. So it saves us time um, but we will go down that road as well. It's just one of those things where you, you, you know, as a startup, you only have so many resources. And so the decision internally was, look, let's make the best partnerships right out of the gate as possible. And then as we go, you know, then we can all figure out what the best route to go with the affiliate licenses, it, you know, might be. So like New Jersey is, seems to be those guys, you know, New Jersey and Pennsylvania, in our opinion, seem to be probably as stringent as anybody with the affiliate licensing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just takes time. So it's just kind of a process that our attorneys have to go through and that type of thing. So that's why I say it's all the above because the, the states that we don't need it, okay, great, you're there. But then the ones we need it, we'll start you know filing all that paperwork as appropriate when the time is right. But then in the meantime, we also have affiliate partnerships. So it's kind of a little bit of the, all the above. And it's a very good question because it is a little bit you know, everybody's kind of learning in this together. And, and I can also say it's, you know, we're, we're honored to be a part of uh, the sports betting uh, communities, which is the, um, uh, in our opinion, they're, they're probably the, the best association in, in our industry. Um, but we are part of the leadership um, team and, and committee, if you will, for the affiliate marketing partners, which is great. So we're, recognized within them and we have you know seats at the table when it comes to conferences when we're all back in person and um you know so it's really important to us to be in you know very involved in all these associations so that we can understand the governance the best possible way uh to make sure we're delivering the best product the right way to our consumers all the way through right so um it's interesting you say that because i think that as you mentioned, uh, with sports betting, 
you know, being so new in the U.S. and I consider three years to be pretty new for an industry here. Um, now, Nevada, with Nevada being the one exception, because Nevada has had sports betting legalized for right. decades, um, that it is tough to kind of almost keep track of all the different um, changing regulatory requirements because uh, they are changing. Um, and a lot of states are totally brand new to the concept of any kind of casino or sports betting. They, many of them, and it's so different than than lottery or, um, you know, uh, maybe, you know, other types of uh, gaming that they may have. Sports betting is such a unique thing because it, um, it just has a, a lot of different moving pieces that other uh, gaming doesn't have. And it's interesting because, you know, some states, you know, uh, have assigned sports betting, for example, to the lottery uh, and they may not be fully prepared for it yet. And they just have to kind of learn on the fly and they're uh, blessed them. They're doing a great job of, of doing it and getting up to speed, but things change. And so, you know, kind of as you just touched on, while gaming licenses or sports betting licenses change, certainly things like affiliate marketing license might change daily fantasy sports, you know, uh, rules and requirements change. It's, it's such an ongoing moving target. And so, yeah, I mean, I guess all you can do is, is, you know, go with what you have and obviously have great legal counsel, do things in stages um, and just have a plan to be able to, you know, uh, move quickly as, as things may change. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, because we also see it as kind of an arms race, if you will, from the standpoint of, you know, just gaining market share and getting out there because, I mean, this, this industry right now, as you well know, for the next five years is just, it, it's like a dot-com opportunity, um, you know, or you living in California, the way I always heard the stories of the real estate in California, everybody going, you know, our parents' generation or whatever saying, look, it would have been great if we could have bought property in California in the 60s or 70s or 80s or whatever it was, because that's where it went. It was through the roof. And then I was in college during the dot-com, so I didn't get to, you know, run with this. This is like a niche.com as far as I see it, because this market is, it's not going to be something that's a bubble either, because that's real revenue that's already there. And they're just legalizing it, putting it up above board. And, and, and we just want to be the dinghy, you know, kind of in the Harbor, you know, going between all the big barges and, you know, we'll deliver products, you know, between all the barges and we'll be happy doing that, you know, kind of, We'll stay out of their waters. We're going to, you know, just be friends with everybody. But but we definitely know that that tide is rising for all of us. So we'll be that dinghy enjoying the the tide rising for everybody. Yeah, no, that's that's 100 percent, 100 percent true. So what kind of keeps you up at night a little bit with what you're trying to do? I mean, we obviously as a sports betting operator have, uh, you know, uh, a lot of things that we have to get into, for example, like the Nevada gaming license took us about 16 months um, from beginning to end from, from the, from the brick and mortar partnership to getting the license was 16 months. So that was, you know, quite a journey, quite a ride, you know, um, some a little bumpy along the way, but we got it done. Uh, and so then, you know, from your perspective, um, not quite the same, but, you know, you still touch a lot of the, the same sports betting, you know, areas that we do. What is kind of the thing that, keeps you up at night or is like, oh, wow, like, you know, uh, I wonder how this is going to go. I'm a little bit nervous about this. Uh, anything that kind of jumps out at you that might get you to, you know, give pause? Uh, yeah, great question. Uh, and first of all, um, what a great article uh, in the Wall Street Journal on, on you guys, you and your effort, you know, through, through Nevada with the brick and mortar 
piece you tied in. I mean, what a cool story it was they, they did a great job tying it together. Um, yeah. But so, so I imagine there were plenty of things keeping you up at night during that process and, and we'll go forward. But yep. for me, what, what keeps me up at night, I, I think it's probably, um, and I'm sure our developers could guys on our team and our CTO, Sasha and everybody else, I'm sure they would echo my sentiments that uh, it's just me asking for everybody to go faster and do more and all that stuff. And, you know, because I'm so excited, I felt like this was like Christmas um, this week, uh, you know, with the apps getting approved in the app store and the website getting up. And, and then now it's like, okay, tomorrow morning, the first thing I'm going to do is now I'm going to just open all this stuff up and, and we're going to go through it and, and just not try to break it because it's, it's good, but, look at it all as a user. What do I not like about it? Well, why would I not use it? You know? So the real thing for me, keeping me up at night probably is just sitting there and playing with this stuff and saying me as a, as a sports fan, whether I'm betting or not, I still love looking at all the apps, the CBS, you know, ESPN, give me the scores, give me the story on this guy. Uh, holy cow. You know, Cam Newton got cut, you know, this week. So What's that mean? Where's he going to go? You know, all that kind of stuff. Well, why would I go and get that from Atlas world sports? Um, because we have all the associated press um, subscriptions so we can deliver all that news. Uh, we can push that out there, but why would I look at Atlas's push notification rather than maybe CBS or maybe than somebody else? And what do we need to do differently? What do we need to do better? And, and I think that's the real thing is, you know, just being a, you know, former football player, you know, from college and, you know, I was always a small guy that had to, you know, work 10 times harder than everybody else and to prove my worth on the field. And then once I can, you know, then once, you know, I earned my spot, then it was like, oh, wow, this guy is really fast and tough and all that stuff. But, but I wasn't the guy, you know, at five, nine and 195 pounds, I didn't walk on a field and people step back and go, oh my God, there's our blue chip. Right. So it's almost like that same thing. I, I, you know, that, that grind of just loving the grind. And, and so what keeps me up at night is just saying, okay, what do we have to do better next? And we have to always say that, how do we deliver a better product to the marketplace? And what's good today is not going to be good enough tomorrow or next week or six months from now. So it's really just that you can never be satisfied. You can't, it's just, right. it's, part of being an entrepreneur and you know it because you feel good and you celebrate those victories. So, you know, like it was, you know, it, it was one of those moments this week where I just remember I went to the gym and uh, after I got a workout, I was sitting in the steam room and just kind of going, all right, remember this moment, right? This is pretty cool. We, we got, we got here, take this in right now. And then now it's time to go back to work. Yep. Yeah. Now we have to redo it. It's funny you say that because like when we got the license uh, a couple weeks ago, literally it was two weeks ago to the date, uh, we went for a few drinks afterwards, had lunch, um, you know, uh, relaxed and enjoyed ourselves and uh, <laughs> back to work the next day, <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, we're going to find a moment. I think probably when we accept our first bed, we'll take a team trip to uh, the Reno area to, to enjoy that as well too. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you got to stop and smell the roses, but when you're in startup mode and you're in startup life and you're an entrepreneur um, and you're in that, especially the earlier stages, the first few years of the company's life, you know, everything is so fragile. If you sit back and just chill and, you know, uh, now mail it in for a few weeks, like you've lost valuable time. And I always say 
this to everyone on our team, as well as just kind of, I guess, on social media and other places. I said, the so a lot of times the only asset that a startup has is speed. And so if you take a moment to slow down, um, or if you take too much time to slow down, you know, you're going to, you're going to miss. Um, and so, yeah, you can, you can take a little bit of a, a quick moment. You got to celebrate the wins because that's important too, uh, for sure. Uh, but you don't have a lot of time and you got to turn right back around and yep. be ready to do the next thing. So yeah, it's definitely I mean, always a grind it, for sure. And to that point, Mark, like <laughs> I couldn't agree with you more. Um, I'm lucky. I have a, you know, great support system, you know, family, friends. And, you know, it was one of those with, last night with my girlfriend. I was just, apolog- you know, not apologizing to her because I did anything wrong, but just like, hey, if, I, if I've been a little less attentive or a little, you know, I haven't been as, you know, good at communicating or whatever this last month has just been like, you know, just kind of feel like you're in a vice, but you try to do it so that you don't put everybody else through it at the same time. You know, you don't want to you know, it, it's just kind of part of being an entrepreneur and loving the grind and all that. And, and so, you know, we're going to go up to uh, you being a good Wisconsin guy, Door County, just north of, uh, you know, Green Bay and our peninsula up there. And so we're going up for two days, right? That's going to be the big get off the grid. And and then, you know, right after Labor Day, it's right back after it. So, um, nice. you know, you just, you just, but, but that's part of, that's part of the thing about being an entrepreneur and, and you know, really, loving the grind because everybody thinks like it's, it's not, it's not about the money. The money takes care of itself. If you do, you know, build the right product for the marketplace, but that's not why you do it. You really do it because it's the love of people and building teams and, and building a product that fits the marketplace that the marketplace will love and want to use over and over and over. And that to me is the fun part. That's the psychology of, of business and the f- psychology of, you know, of building teams and how do we get these people to work together? This is a totally different personality than this person. This person, you know, came from the most, you know, prestigious schooling ever. And this person, you know, kind of came through the school of hard knocks and, you know, barely made it through high school, never went to college, but they have to work together. Right. And how do you get that chemistry? And then you, now you multiply it. Now you're talking about five people. Now you're talking about 10. And then how do you bring that to the marketplace? And that to me is what is so much fun. Yeah, That to no, me totally. is, is the best because it's about listening to people. It's really about, and, and it's not like, you know, asking questions directly. People aren't going to directly tell you what they want. Um, I think if, uh, you know, I think it was Henry Ford that had the quote, like, you know, if I had, if I had, put it up to a committee, we'd have the greatest horse and buggy ever or whatever. Um, you know, cause it's, it's, you know, he came up, you know, the model T and everybody's like, yeah, whatever, you know, like, come on, we're good. And he built it because he just, he just had this intuition that the marketplace needed it. But if he didn't ask people, they would have directly said, no, I'm good. I'll, I'll take, I'll keep my horse and buggy. Thanks much. Right. And it's almost like what Elon Musk is doing with the boring tunnel. Or, you know, some of the other projects, SpaceX or Tesla or whatever else you want to get into. But, you know, he just has this intuition. And that, to me, I think is the fun part, the puzzle that people don't really know sometimes what they want. But once they see it and use it, that's when they fall in love with it. Yeah. And I think you're doing you're doing things the right way. So, I mean, I've worked in tech for the last 13 years. Uh, This is my fourth technology startup that I founded uh, or co-founded. And the number one thing that I think is really, really critical 
to any technology company having uh, success is being maniacal about product. Uh, that generally, generally, not always, but generally um, is uh, a huge indicator of success or the bare minimum is table stakes uh, in an industry if it's hyper competitive for other reasons. Um, and so, I mean, that's for, for example, with us, I mean, the fact that most of our competitors, most of our competitors are brick and mortar casinos who license their tech stack from, you know, a, a couple of enterprise companies and don't even own their tech and the tech is bad. The fact that we focused on beautiful, clean UX, performance management, loading times, uh, you know, cleanliness, ease of use, all the stuff that you would think are just quote unquote basic that you see in all the other apps you use in this industry, that's everything. And so, I mean, we can, shit, we could win on just that. I mean, beyond yep. the fact that we do a bunch of other stuff too. So uh, agreed that you're taking the right approach on that and focusing on the, on all the little nitty gritty details of product. Um, that's, that's how you can win uh, that. And I think customer support, I always, I always bucket into those two areas. If, uh, if you build a great product and you provide great customer service, you've got a great, great chance to go a lot of places. So um, that's awesome. So how can our audience uh, find Atlas World and check out your product? Yeah, I mean, it's as simple as, uh, well, now I can officially say um, we're in the app stores. So um, if you go into the app stores, whether it's iOS or Android Play Store, and you just type in Atlas World Sports, A-T-L-A-S, like the Atlas roadmap type of thing. We're going to be your roadmap to the sports books, if you will. Um, or you can just go to, you know, www.atlasworldsports.com. Or certainly we're, you know, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, you're going to be able to find us. You type in Atlas World Sports, we will be found. And, and then we're really going to roll out our go-to-market strategy. Go-to-market strategy will be really heavy, uh, from October on, because we want to kind of get through this first four weeks of it being in the app store. And, you know, you know how it goes, the couple little things, and like you were saying, being maniacal about just being excellent in the way the app operates. And, and we know we're going to have those little things where somebody tries to log in and maybe they're doing it from a weird, you know, iPhone four or something. And so it, uh, you know, doesn't work the same way. And, you know, all the, all the instances we work through internally, but there's always something. It's Murphy's oh, I've been through that one before. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, and it, you know it's Murphy's law. Anything that can go wrong will go wrong. Oh yeah, eventually. that's why I, I yeah, and I always you know when building product, I'm such a product guy. I'm always like, we always have to build the product, assuming people will not know what to do. Uh, or for dummies, not saying that people are dumb, but just you have to assume you have to make it dummy proof is really the best way to phrase it. Um, you know, so if somebody will do something like tap on a button twice to submit a payment, yeah. you need to, after they tap it, disable it from being tapped on again, right? Stuff like that. So yep. um, just absolutely. And, and that's a good thing. Like for us, for the logins, like we're making sure people are authenticating through an email and then it sends an email notification to their email because we want to, you know, it's preventing bots and, you know, all those workaround things that have to be done now, which is great. And, uh, but, but that adds, you know, every, like anything else, engineering one-on-one, anytime you have a moving part, there are things that can break. <laughs> yep. hundred, hundred percent, hundred percent. Well, awesome, Robert. This has been a, a great conversation. Uh, really excited for you and for Atlas. Yes, to our audience, if you haven't, please go to the app or Play Store uh, and download um, the Atlas World Sports app. And uh, best of luck to you, Robert. I know you're going to crush it. Uh, thanks again for coming on the pod. 
Mark, thank you so much. I appreciate it. And can't wait to, uh, you know, work together with you once you guys are rocking and rolling and uh, we'll be out in Nevada real soon and, and certainly LA. So we'll be looking you up. 100%. Sounds good, Robert. Thank you so much. And congrats on all your success. 